you want to start? I feel like I'm overwhelmed by what a treat this is. Um, I'm going to start. Welcome to Inside the Hive. <laughs> I'm your host, Nick Bilton, and here is my co-host this week. Lucky me. Can Emily you, Jane Fox. EJF is in the house. <laughs> Literally in Nick's in house. The house. Uh, Emily flew all the way over to Los Angeles to do this podcast today. Worth every minute. Groundbreaking stuff we've got here. Uh, two treats today. Emily's here and we've got no ads. So what else can we ask for? Bonus. This is it. All right. So let's just get to her. We're going to talk about... Lots of different stuff. We're going to get to Sarah Sanders. We're going to get to how much we despise Biden and how he's the Jeb Bush of 2020. Um, We're going to get to where Michael Cohen is in the clink. And you've spent a lot of time with him in the clink or outside the clink. I have not gone to prison We'll get get to all that stuff. I'm still picking out my prison outfit. We'll get to your prison outfit. Speaking of prison outfits, we're going to start with something else. Elizabeth Holmes. I've been, I like literally spent the entire flight thinking about Elizabeth Holmes' possible wedding. So someone who was at the New York Post had a story this week saying that maybe Elizabeth Holmes actually got married and I need to know if it's true. And if it is true, I need to know everything about the wedding. So I need to know everything you know. And then like I have some fanfic that I thought about. Okay. So I actually asked around. Were you at the wedding? I was not at the wedding. Did it happen? What I've heard is it did happen. Uh, I've heard that no um, Theranos people were invited, uh, uh, which is really interesting because she's still friendly with some of her Theranos folks. How Um, many people do we think were there? uh, There's there's like lots of rumors. Okay, let's hear them all. I feel like we should do like the breaking news sound for this, like a. I feel like you've done that sound with me on this podcast before. I know it's the breaking news sound. I don't know that that's a breaking news sound. Um. Anyway, so they apparently got married. Uh, for those of you, so happy for them. Yeah, so happy for them. For those of you just tuning into the world, Elizabeth Holmes, founder of Theranos. Uh, took a $9 billion business and completely destroyed it, even though it wasn't really a business, lied to a bunch of people, now has 11 uh, criminal counts up against her, and it fell in love with a man, a boy named Billy Evans. Billy Evans is the one of the children of the, the Evans Hotelier fortune. Can we just stop and talk about that masterful shade you just did by calling him a boy? Well, he, I think that you have, he's like, what, he's 20-something? He's 10 years younger I than her. I just loved it. I appreciated he's it. He's a boy? He's what? Because so, you're not allowed to say girl. Sure. PC. And also, if a man were dating someone who's 10 years younger, you wouldn't say like, oh my God, what an age difference. Oh, no, it's an age difference. It's a thing. For a, a man to date a woman oh, who's 10 years younger? No way. No, 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 no. Oh, yes. you're No, but it's it's... I think what's why it's such a thing. Are we we're going there? Okay, Let's we're here. Why it is such a thing is because her last boyfriend was twenty years older than her. Look, she went the right direction. <laughs> there is a thirty year difference between these two men. One of she them just you know trying things out. She's the trying world things is out. Her oyster until she ends up potentially behind bars. Well, so here's where we're going to get into Rumorville. That's okay, right. so rumor is they got married. Rumor is um, Billy Evans' parents and family do not like Elizabeth Holmes. They think that she's a bit of a scam artist. Shocker. Um, I'm not sure if they were at the wedding. Uh, Rumor is that Balto the Wolf 
Was the wolf the dog. The wolf dog. For all those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, you'll just have to Google it. It's honestly, Nick wrote this fantastic story about the crazy uh, crumbled Theranos empire post-crumbling and post-criminal charges or it was pre-criminal charges post post beginning of crumble so i got all the facts wrong but the story is fantastic and in the story nick has probably the best detail i've ever heard in a story in my life wow this is big i loved it where elizabeth holmes has this dog she go well she goes off to get she's literally her company's falling apart her life is falling apart uh she's being sued by with criminal charge, not criminal charges, by the SEC, by the CMS, the investigations everywhere, the DOJ, people are, uh, there's there's a class action lawsuit, there's investor lawsuits, there's a wall, this, you name it. Things aren't looking good for Elizabeth Holmes. Pretty bad. Point, yeah. And she gets on a plane, goes to New York and gets a little puppy called, uh, she calls Balto, and um brings it back and it starts pooping in the conference rooms. But she refers to the dog as a wolf. She tells everyone it's a wolf, even though it's not a wolf. Um, And I found out afterwards, which was really fascinating that she, so she names the dog Balto after this, this dog that does this big run in Alaska to stop the spread of dysteria. And uh, it turns out that, um, that Balto, and of course this is very analogous to her company at the very end. And it's, you know, so on. turns out that, Balto, it's like a 600-mile run, right, that, that um, this medicine had to go from Anchorage uh, to this small town. Balto only did the last 50 miles, and there was another dog called Tonga who did most of the running. So Balto's a fucking fraud. Balto is a fraud, and you know why Balto gets all the credit? Because the press at the time didn't like Tonga's name. They liked Balto's name. Balto's Lock him name. up. Yeah, exactly. It's the same story with Elizabeth Holmes where the press thought, oh, well, the she's turtleneck, a... turtleneck, you know, the, the blonde, the, woman, the, whole the whole shtick. Thing. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I did some digging in t- anticipation of, of our discussion. So uh, she is uh, apparently married. Now, there's a lot of reason, a lot of theory around why, and we're just going to get into theory territory here. None of this is fact. Uh, the theory is that she doesn't have any money. She has 11, 11 criminal counts up against her. Uh, he is a trust fund baby and has a lot of money. And um, and so she, he is probably, in some respect, helping out with the legal bills because Elizabeth's family has, doesn't have money either. Her dad worked for Enron, lost most of their money in that. Um, and so that's one thing. The other theory, and this is total just, you know, like, pie in the sky guessing here but there have been i would say three people who worked for her um who say that they think that elizabeth holmes is going to get pregnant before she gets on the stand because she will look very sympathetic as a pregnant woman on the stand when she goes for i'm just gonna say this if there's one woman who could look unsympathetic pregnant (laughs) it's probably elizabeth holmes like she could do it she could do it. It's That's true. wild. What a wacky thing to do to your to a child. I feel like that's I mean, look, even we, too we far don't know. Her. I mean, we'll we'll be able to, to. I need to know if she signed a prenup. I cannot imagine. I knowing how good she is at convincing people, especially men, to do things. I cannot imagine that he signed a prenup. What is in it for him? Well, that's a great question. Um, actually, because does he have I friends? Asked, I feel like. Wait, is he what? Does he have friends? He has like, friends. Is no he's one a, saying like to a, him, like, D- he's dude, a, he's fish a bro. In the sea. Plenty of them. He's a bro. He likes. He wears like. Um, he, there's a photo of him on Facebook of him wearing a uh, a white uh, "Make America Great Again" hat. Okay. Uh, 
one can only hope it's in jest, but either way, one doesn't do that in jest. Bizarre. It's just like dressing as a Nazi in jest. You just don't do it. Um, Talk to the royal family about that. What's that? Talk to Prince Harry about that. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is, I so I asked the question, like, is he really in love with her? What's going on? And someone told me that they think that he's totally in on the joke too a little bit and loves the attention that he's getting and it's like is totally enamored with her yes but also partially believes her that that you know she did nothing wrong and that she was thrown under the bus but also loves the fact that he's like on the daily mail website and this that, and the other so and fame infamy is a hell of a drug yes it's true so the other thing i i i heard was um which is really fascinating is that the, the, this is actually the case of Theranos, all Balto jokes aside, um, is actually going to have a massive change um, on the impact of the SEC and what they do. Because for a long time, the SEC only looked at um, public companies. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked at private companies here and there, but most for the most part, it was public companies. And the reason for that was because they thought, okay, well, you're a private company. There are not you know institutions that are... Um, losing money as a result of your actions and and the public is not being affected by it that much. Um, it's just investors that essentially lose their money. And as and after what has happened with Theranos, where there are countless people whose health was affected and almost died as a result of of the tests and the the, the incorrect tests, um, that the SEC is kind of shifting gears a little bit to look more at not only. Uh, private companies, but private companies specifically in Silicon Valley. Which What's is interesting, why. like they did, SEC was was doing this on Wall Street for a long time. I think back to Steve Cohen and SEC yep. Capital, right? Where that was a, it's a private company, but there was like the clearest cut white collar crime that was, you know, billions of dollars and they ended up um, shuttering the company. And this, so SEC has been doing this in Wall Street for a long time, but that it's coming to Silicon Valley where there's just stupid amount of money and all these founder myths and crazy characters. Good on them. Yeah. Well, finally, yes, I agree. And I think that, um, you know, that caused quite a headache for Elon Musk. He's He's been forced That's to be right. quiet, which is probably very painful. Um, they, you know, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see how, kind of how this, how this plays out in the next few a uh, few months at this case, I think will be a seminal case. And so I do think that from the lawyers I've spoken with and the people who worked for Elizabeth and the people who have been monitoring the case and so on, I think that they're really going to try to send her to jail. Uh, and that, and one thing that I heard just today, actually, which I thought was fascinating is, so they charged her with 11 criminal counts, but most of them are wire fraud. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason that they do that apparently is because the, Wire fraud is the easiest fraud for the jury to understand. You can say, like, this person lied about this ad that said that they was going to do X or this brochure or whatever it is. And so as a result of that, uh, it it definitely signals that they're, they're going after this with the intent to win and they're going after this with the intent to, you know, to find her guilty and hopefully on from their side, of course. It's true as someone who has spent and unexpectedly spent a significant amount of time dealing with wire fraud fraud in mm-hmm. the last couple of years that is very true it's interesting to me though that um you know a lot of these cases that we've seen except for the in, in politics at least except for the paul manafort trial have not gone to jury yet hmm. so well, I guess we'll see so i feel like you're just setting me up for everything this is great so 
Sonny Balwani, the gentleman who was 20 years older than Elizabeth Holmes, he had this this experience that we I recently heard about where he switched lawyers. And apparently the reason that he switched lawyers is because he was offered a deal and his lawyers apparently suggested he should take it. And this is just all through the grapevine. Uh, and he didn't, of course, want to take it. But that actually, the fact that he switched lawyers is a pretty good sign that something the, the 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 DOJ they have something they really have the ability to uh, to take this case home and I well, think well if they're trying to potentially cut a deal with him then they're trying to use him to get a bigger fish right well the, he's not the prize but but she's the smarter fish and so right. my theory is that she is gonna use use him for the deal and the question is is whether or not the DOJ no will way. take him I don't no think so either way. They are if they're going if if they are as you say and I trust you on this going to make an example out of her rightfully not even an example just going to the throw the book at her they're not settling it the the twenty year old boyfriend man friend whatever he is <laughs> man friend at some point you age out of boyfriend I think well, that was quick he was mm-hmm. like seventeen minutes I think he aged out already. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyway, it's all very fascinating. Can uh, I ask you before we transition out of this where you think tech money is going in the Dem primary? In the Dem primary? Mm-hmm. I think that there's probably a lot. Well, that that's a transition, isn't it? I think sort we just of. transitioned. Um, it's a bridge. It's a bridge. So tech money, I think, is it's interesting because um, in LA uh, specifically, you've had these. You get these, you see, you hear, not only you get, sometimes you get these invites, but especially as we're in the press, we get them, but also you hear about them through people. And um, what I found really fascinating is that for a, for a minute, it was Beto, Beto, Beto. Mm. Like, you know, come to this dinner, come to this function, come, you know, come hear a recording of, of Beto brushing his teeth. Um, and, and then it was quickly like, yeah. you know. Well, like, I can tell you what help precipitate that very fast. It happens to be yes, vanity. a fantastic cover of our magazine, of our magazine. That everyone should buy. I think that, well, I do think it was a fantastic, but I think that he was destined to, to, to drive off the edge of the cliff. Uh, oh, oh, for sure. You don't give that kind of... Co- no, no magazine cover makes anyone's campaign fail. What you say to a reporter yes. and decisions yes. that you make leading up to that and the kind of character you are in your heart... Correct. Dictate what happens in your campaign. I have a feeling you and I are going to agree on a lot of the the rest that we're going to talk about. So, so, so that was it was it was him. There has there was there's in in L.A. of course in Los Angeles and Hollywood. There's been a lot of of you know Warren mm-hmm. Harris specifically Harris. She's from around here. Uh, and then there was this like Buttigieg bleep mm-hmm. that is still is still active, not as loud as it once was. So then if you go a few hundred miles north of here to San Francisco and Silicon Valley, it's kind of followed the same trajectory with the exception of the Warren stuff because mm. oh yeah because break Warren up. wants to break them up. Mm-hmm. And and I think that what's interesting is is you is these these folks in the primaries um, are torn between wanting that money um, and also you know wanting the public to not think that Totally. They're getting that money. And if you think back to 2016 or even 2012, 
um, you know, Obama and Hillary both went there. They both held fundraisers there. They held dinners there. It was, you know, and, um, and, and now what's interesting is I remember Hillary did something at Sheryl Sandberg's house and it's like, well, would you want to, I wouldn't want to go to Sheryl Sandberg's house now after that all the Facebook stuff. That is a no-go zone, no-fly yeah. zone. But there's a you lot couldn't. of it's a no-fly zone now. Are you, you, first of all, that money is sweet money, right? And that's a, a very alluring thing for any candidate. But tech is the bad guy now, especially when it comes to an yep. election. You can't be seen photographed with Sheryl Sandberg and take a stand on a debate stage saying these companies need to do more to protect our democracy and what are they going to do to, to keep us safe in 2020 and 2022 and 2024. That is the worst look. It's like, I feel like that would be like in 2008 or 2012, Barack Obama putting his arm around Lloyd Blankfein and Jamie Dimon, <laughs> you know, in the middle of the financial crisis. No, it's true. And I think, I think that the thing that's so fascinating is that how quickly it all turned, even though, even though it was all happening behind the scenes. There is another side to the story, though, that in both Hollywood and in uh, San Francisco and Silicon Valley, that there are people who are donating somewhat, some secretly. Um, Elon Musk was caught doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you, you, of course, you've got the whole PayPal mafia and, the, and like the folks behind that that have donated to Republicans. Um, and and I think that as the Republicans are, of course, not going to want to uh, to stop Silicon Valley, uh, they're not going to want to break up these companies. Um, and I think that you are going to see a lot more secret donations, a lot more super PAC donations. Um, a, a lot more in the realm of um, conservatism that will be uh, money flowing in that direction from Silicon Valley. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Some good moral investments. Some good moral investments yeah. in the Republicans. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, okay. now it's my turn to ask some questions. Have at it. So I don't even know where to start. I, I actually kind of want to know, well, so Sarah Sanders out. She's out today. What tell us? I feel like I was on this flight for like what five and a half hours, and a lot. I feel like a lot happened on this flight. So Kellyanne Conway, the office of the special counsel, which is not the special counsel's office, Robert Mueller's seventeen angry Democrats. It's a nonpartisan oversight body that is headed by someone who I believe the president Trump appointed. Mm-hmm. Came out and said that Kellyanne Conway long-standing advisor to the president, violated the Hatch Act by disparaging Democrats Democrats repeatedly. And that she should, not only did she violate the Hatch Act, which is like kind of a little bit of a bogus thing, but that she should be fired from her job. So uh, here's the question. There's two questions. One is, the first thing when I saw that news was I went to George Conway's uh, Twitter account. What a thing. To see if he was... Like, yeah, fire her. Um, uh, (laughs) He didn't yet. Um, There was a lot of retweets about a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, But I don't understand why they're going specifically after her. I mean, there's been a lot of people that have said things that they shouldn't have violated the hatch. I mean, like, how is it? Well, she's fairly brazen about it. She's one of the only people, I think who goes on television, who works in the White House, who disparages specific Democrats. Mm. Other than the president himself. Other than the president, which he's above the law, right? And the vice president. Uh, I, don't, I can't think of an example where Mike Pence has done that. But 
I think if you are the politician, you're different than being a Got it. White House employee. You're specifically not allowed to do that. And so that's why Sarah Sanders, when she used to give White House briefings a million years ago, if she were asked about a political thing, she would dodge it by saying, I can't violate the Hatch Act. Now Kellyanne Kanye, Conway will sit on... Kellyanne Kanye. Con- <laughs> Speaking of which, Kim Kardashian was at the White House today. Oh, great. I okay, guess we'll it's just on my brain. Yeah. Um, so Kellyanne Conway was, you know, in the, in what is it called? Pebble Beach, they call it at the White House, where they do all the live shots. So she mm-hmm. goes on Fox News and mm-hmm. shits on Democrats. And yeah. that's against the Hatch Act. So, so, so think- she's going to be fine. She'll stay. The of White course. House already issued a statement saying this is crazy. Um, Sarah Sanders is out. She's, but she, wait a second. Yeah. Just before we get, let's get back to Kellyanne Kanye yeah. uh, for a second here. So <laughs> your Halloween costume. It's my new Halloween costume. Um, is there, can Congress like say, oh, we need to enforce this? No. And they, nothing. It's That's the it. president's decision. Well, well, that was just a complete waste of time then. Sure. Um, okay. All of this is, everything's a waste everything's of time. Everything's a total waste of time. It's true. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry if you're still listening. Yeah. Uh, this is a complete waste of your time, mm-hmm. but keep listening. Okay, Sarah left. So part of me is like, what fucking difference does it make that she left? Because they haven't done any press briefings in God knows how long. And the only thing that's really happened with her is she's been profiled in a bunch of magazines. Yeah. So what? Huh? It's what? A, oh, I think the only thing that's interesting about it to me is... A, she left the door open to potentially running for governor, which is insane, but stranger things have happened. And B, who is going to replace her? I have, a, I have an a idea. Diamond and Silk? Who's left? I can, I can actually imagine him just being like, screw you, fake news, like here. But he'll probably, I would imagine he might kind of give a little bit of a nod to Fox News or something, maybe who grab a Fox. Is, he did that already with Bill Shine, who was over Sarah Sanders. There's no one left. What about Sean Hannity? Sean Hannity is making a gajillion dollars. He's not making Tucker Carlson. Sector. No, these guys are making bank and have more influence the on the outside. The ghost of Roger Ailes. That seems like the most likely suggestion you brought up. Okay, maybe so, there's no one. They don't have briefings anyway. Who that's cares? True. Who cares? It doesn't yeah. matter. It's just, yeah. Maybe maybe Scaramucci gets a gets a call back. Well, you know, his wife is now being courted to be a Real Housewife of New York. So all of my interests are are aligning in that one story. Wow, I I interviewed him and met his wife on the podcast. She was kind of on the podcast. She was yelling. They from have the other a podcast room. together, right? They have a podcast together. I interviewed them for the podcast uh, last year, I believe, and uh, the. Beverly Hills Hotel over here, and uh, he was you know sitting across from each other, and he would answer questions, and she hates Trump, and he of course pretends he likes him, maybe he does, Tolerate and him. like every single time he would answer a question, she would yell from the other room, kind of like a cartoon character about you know whatever. It was actually quite funny, and then she grabbed the mic. I think she'd make a great and, housewife as someone who's watching yes. Housewives forever, but I don't want my one escape. From the world of politics and the world of Trump, which is the Real Housewives, to turn into a little mini Trump drama. I just can't have it. I'm putting my foot down. The tentacles have to get everywhere. Okay, let's talk about um, Michael Cohen. So what I find so fascinating about you, EJF, is that sometimes I'll text you and be like, hey, you want to come on the pod this week or whatever it is? And... You will text me back from like Michael Cohen's apartment as he's like watching himself on CNN. You'd be like, "Oh, I'm I'm with Michael Cohen right now," and it's like, "Huh? 
what is it like? I mean, you write stories about these folks. You've spent a lot of time with Avenatti, you, you know, so on and so forth. Um, what is it like being that close to these people? And like, is the story that you're that you're seeing being written about them sometimes wrong? Is it like like when you're like with Michael and he's literally the day he's leaving for jail? Is there a part of you that like feels bad for them? Like. So there's like the news side and there's the human side. And I think to be able to really understand the news side of it, it helps to be up the, up close and personal to the human side of it. Uh, I get dinged a lot because I do spend, I did spend a lot of time with him. I did know him personally. And sometimes people say, well, you're his PR person. It's like, I'm not his PR person. I just get him better than all of you get him. Mm-hmm. And I see it up close. And uh, I don't feel bad bad for people who commit crimes and then go to prison. Do I see the effect it has on his children? Yes. Do I see the effect it has on his parents and his wife? A hundred percent. I don't think that most people get to see that side of anyone who's going to federal prison on things that relate to deeds that the president of the United States instructed them into. So to me, it's been a fascinating thing to watch up close. So he's in prison in Otisville. Uh, it's the, the part of Otisville that he is in is a minimum security. It's like a camp. It's like Mm -hmm. a, it's been described to me as a shitty summer camp. (laughs) Um, he's okay. He's doing okay. Um, he misses his family, obviously his wife and his kids. They Uh, they go up and visit visit him. His wife's there all the time. Um, is it? Have you so you've you been? I have not been. Okay. I have not been. Um, um, have you? But there are um, a lot of ways to communicate with federal inmates. I had no idea. Email. Email. Text. No. How do you text? You get a phone in there? So, no, no phone. But there, I think there's a program on computers where you can text people. Huh. And it's wild. So can you text him yes. and he'll text you right back? No, it t- there's a lag time. And uh, wow, that's interesting. And then obviously, does he send? Old phone can numbers. he send you selfies? No selfies because um, there's no phone. It's a camera. Got it. I haven't. It's they're text messages. They're not. Got it. And it says like, hang on, I'll tell you what it says. You're gonna pull number. up. You're gonna pull up an, an actual Michael Cohen. I'm gonna show text you. I'm from gonna jail. pull up something from a federal inmate. How from, about that? <laughs> do you know a lot of federal inmates? Can't say I do. Well, you're gonna know um, one more soon. It'll. I feel like I could know a lot. Yeah. Okay, let's read this okay. aloud. I'm not going to read the Hold text on. aloud. <laughs> <laughs> but what it does is, it so it comes from the same number every time, and then it has brackets, and it has the inmate's first initial and last name in the brackets, and then it has the text message. And then I could just respond or text first, and I guess whenever an inmate goes to check the app, they can respond too. And so how long is he in there for? Three years. Wow. That's a long Which time. Which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, three years doesn't sound like a lot of time, but that's a lot of time when you're 50. When you go in and you're 52 years old. It is. No, it is a long time. And I think the other thing, even even though you you know, you know said it was a shitty summer camp, like I always remember in the, the article I read um, in the New Yorker um, back in 98, I think it came out. Which I was, was You were 10? Yeah. It was uh, it's one of the best articles I've ever read and um, had a the, the director of the movie on trial by fire mm. and there's it's a it's a story about a guy who um, is essentially put to death for allegedly killing his three children in a fire Oy. by arson but he t- turns out he didn't do it 
but anyway, there's a he says this one thing in the interview where he says, you know, being in a prison cell, what it's like. He said, imagine, he said, walk into your kitchen and try to stay in there for one day. Like, just don't leave your kitchen for a day. And you have all these things in front of you still, but like, just don't leave your kitchen. And imagine that for three years or 10 years or your entire life. Um, and I always think about that when, when I hear these stories. That's wild. I mean, I could stay in your kitchen for like <laughs> at least a couple of days. Nick has a beautiful kitchen. Thanks. Uh, very fancy coffee maker. I do have a very fancy, I'm a big coffee drinker. He's basically a barista. This is what you don't know I know how to pour, um, I've t- I, I had a friend who worked at Blue Bottle who taught me how to pour hearts and, and leaves. And um, I know, I saw it. And I'm learning, I'm learning how to do a swan right now. Seems like a very productive use of your time. <laughs> we all have to have hobbies, right? Um, you do you. Okay, so speaking of hobbies, yeah, let's talk a little bit. I want to talk about 2020, but before and, and how much Biden annoys me. Um, but before we get there, I want to talk about a couple of other candidates. And before we get to that, I want to talk about Donald J. Trump. So we're not going to spend a long time on him because he is just a waste of time, as far as I'm concerned. However, I'm curious. That's the president you're talking about, okay? Well, he's your president. I didn't vote for him. Okay. Do you think that right now we're at this point where there's there's been this talk of impeachment for quite a while, and it feels like just in the last week, last week we had Abby on, Abby Tracy, when she was talking about the logistics of it and how it would work and why and so on. And just in that one week, it's like the some. It's like you've got a couple hundred people pushing their foot down on the gas, and one person, Nancy Pelosi, on the brake, who is the only one that can touch or pull off the brake. Do you think that it's eventually it's just going to be like she can't hold on anymore, and yeah. she's going to? I mean, so the president gave this interview to George Stephanopoulos and ABC News yesterday. Uh, I'm impressed that you call him the president. You know, it's a it's a funny little habit. I was an intern in the White House in a different administration. Oh, okay. And as we all were, yes, they they ingrain that in you, no matter who's the president, to refer to them as the president. If I say the president, referring to this one, there's a there's like this involuntary gag, the reflux cute. that still happens. It's mm-hmm. it's terrible. So I just call him Trump. Fair. But anyway, Trump. Yes. Uh, so President Trump. Um, he gave this interview to George Stephanopoulos, and in the interview, they started talking about foreign interference in elections and getting dirt on your opponent. And the president basically said, what's wrong with that? If anyone called me up today from Norway, wherever, offering me dirt on my opponent, I would take it. And almost, I think, almost every single one of the 2020 candidates has come out and said, we got to impeach the guy based on his relationship with with uh, what's going to happen in, in the upcoming elections. And this is a guy who's committing crimes in plain sight and sees nothing wrong with it and thinks he's above the law and this is not what our democracy should be. And so at some point, if Speaker Pelosi's play is the best way to get Trump out of office is to vote him out and not to impeach him, and impeaching him could potentially keep him in office. At some point, if you're having every single Democratic primary a contender coming out and saying we have to impeach him. I don't know how you align those two things. And do you think in your professional opinion, based on all the people you speak to every day and that you were a white house intern for a while, um, do you think that it would make, it makes more sense to impeach him? Here's my theory. 
and I'm just going to just offer it before you answer, because I spent some time in the South recently. Yes. And I had a, a realization um, that the people who voted for Trump and will vote for Trump are going to vote for him no matter what. And the people, sure. the people who are not, it's, I don't think that there are going to be a lot of people at the last minute that decide this election. I think people have made up their minds. And so for me, the question is why? Why not just do it? Well, it's turnout. So a lot of this election is going to come out to come down to turnout and geography. I feel like I've talked about this on your podcast before where that number is I'm sure you you were zoning out when I was droning on about this, but and I'm sure you're about to zone out again. I think think that the number, the 40% that Trump holds is going to stay 40%, but it depends on where that 40% of the country is, right? So if the Democrats are able to swing Pennsylvania or Wisconsin back in their favor and Trump picks up other voters in other states that matter less in terms of the Electoral College, that's a thing. So it depends on what Trump potential Trump voters turn out for this election. And, and the question, I guess, politically is, are you incentivizing certain fractions of the base by impeaching him? Now, I get asked this question a lot. Do you think that you, you should impeach him or not impeach him? Is it a smart political strategy? And my answer on the political strategy is maybe Pelosi's right. She's a political animal. She knows what she's doing. But this is not, to me, a decision that is a political strategy. This is fundamental to our country and our democracy and who we are as a nation. And this is a president who has committed crimes, who has very clearly obstructed justice, who does not value the rule of law and thinks that he is above any kind of law. And so it is the right thing to do for our democracy. Put politics aside. If this means having another four years of Trump in office, but standing up and doing the right thing, that's worth it. But I I totally, I, I, think it's very noble of you to say that but my the question i still don't understand is if we impeach him in the house we're not impeaching him in the senate so what's the end result that we get more dirt on him or no the end result would be that that fight drums up the trump supporters who maybe were going to not go out and vote for the election because they were like things are okay He's our guy, okay. but we're not going to show up to the poll that day because we think he's going to win or whatever it is. It's like what happened after Kavanaugh, right? That's what they're trying to avoid, where for a split second, the base was re-energized. Now, it ended up not mattering in the midterm election, but for there was this, this but, intense worry So if worry that's the case, then that. why not just, like, why doesn't Pelosi just stop, like, puttering around and just get it done? Because the longer she waits... Because it, it's... I think she's just hoping... She, I think she's put her foot down. I think she's put her foot down. I don't think that she wants to do this. And so the longer she waits, we're already but so close to the election. But why doesn't she want to? Just, that's it? It's just geography? It's like she just doesn't want she to drum up? a political up. decision. So stupid. Sorry. It I just doesn't. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. The whole thing just. I, I get the logic. I don't agree with it. Yes. I, think I just that think this is, is bigger than politics. Yes, I agree. I, I'd, rather, I'd rather tell your two very cute little boys in the backyard that that our elected officials stood up and did the right thing even though it was the hard political decision yeah wouldn't you rather that be the way the history goes and that's what's written in the history books yeah same 
All right, let's move on to 2020 and see who can beat him anyway. So, I, I've been waiting this entire podcast to rag on Biden. I'll I, let you start. Well, first of all, like, first of all, I, I just got this, like, this surge of anger that just came through me. Ooh. You've been in office your entire life. Go away. Like, it didn't work out under you. Like, you didn't do a good job. Like, Wait a minute. No, come I'm on. I'm not going to defend Biden, but what do you mean he, he is, didn't do a good job? Like, he was, the Anita Hill stuff. Oh, there, okay, there are okay. so many things. I thought you meant that he is vice presidential. No, is his vice president great? Like, okay. I, although I do have a lot of issues with some of the things that the Obama administration did, sure. and we can get to that if you want. Um, but specifically, if they knew about Russia hacking into Facebook, yeah. like, do something. Don't just call Mark Zuckerberg. It's like, Anyway, putting that aside, um, and also the IYWay stuff with the sorry, um, the all the five G stuff and the technology and the IP that's been stolen. Like, do something about that. Like, something tells me Biden probably has literally no idea what any of those words mean. Yes. So anyway, putting that aside, the 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 reason that people voted for Donald Trump at the end of the day was because they were like, he doesn't look like any of those other sixteen people on the stage. He doesn't look like a politician. He doesn't talk like a politician. He doesn't look like Biden and talk like he hasn't flip-flopped all over the place, or maybe he had, whatever. Um, and and I think that like when I look at Biden, what pisses me off is that he has a history of like he just it's like his viewpoint changes with the wind, and he's done incredibly fucked up things. And this is like to this should prove to people out there that think that I'm just like some bloviating liberal or whatever. Like it's not. I don't give a shit what side of the aisle you're on. I give a shit that you are not true to who you are. And I, I think Biden is, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure he's an amazing family person. Um, I'm sure deep down inside, like he would help an old lady across the street, given the opportunity. However, if that old lady would affect votes for him, I don't think he would. He is a politician. Yeah, he's a politician. So here's what, what I think. What you're describing in Trump is a change candidate, the same way that Barack Obama was a change candidate in 2008. Yeah. People are I think desperate. every candidate for, for decades has been a change candidate. Mm, I don't know that you can argue George W. Bush was a huge change from Clinton, right? Those are, those are similar kinds of human beings, okay. right? Their politics are different, but they're not change candidates. Like Barack Obama was, was. the first yeah. black president. He was young. He was had very little experience. Donald Trump for a variety of reasons, was a change candidate. And what happened economically in between the Clinton-Bush years and the Obama-Trump years was that all of the jobs for the baby boomers in the middle of this country disappeared and there is no hope for them coming back. So people are just desperate and don't know where to turn. And so they're trying out these people who are saying, we're going in a completely different direction because what's happening now is not working for you. So I thought all along... Okay, so if everyone is desperate for change and they sought that change in a candidate, who is going to be the change candidate in 2020? Because people are going to be still desperate for a change. And I think what Trump has done is it has made everyone so fearful of a change candidate that they're perhaps looking for that comfort zone. And there's no one who's more of like a warm, comfortable blanket than Uncle Joe who was in the Eisenhower Executive Office Building every day for eight years with with their beloved Barack Obama, who has been in Washington for a gajillion years. So I I get the idea of of people 
wanting to cling to something safe and secure. But there is still that thought in my head where it's like, okay, maybe people do want something different. Maybe people do want an Elizabeth Warren or a Bernie Sanders. Maybe people do want a Pete Buttigieg. I think that that we that we live in a time where your viewpoints on things can change like that. And and when it comes to there, there are like foundational viewpoints, like you are a Democrat or a Republican. Um, you, you know, believe in abortion or you don't. You believe in guns or you don't, or whatever it is. And I think that when it comes, but when it comes to your side of the aisle, I think your viewpoint on someone can change in an instant. And except for people who support Donald Trump, it's unbelievable. This is why people call him Teflon Don because, like, oh, believe me, I've I've been there. I've 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 talk to Trump supporters and like, it's amazing. Um, but and, something can happen with a Dem candidate, right? But where yes, they a say Dem candidate, one like, thing and it's over for them. I remember, do you remember when Howard Dean got on stage after winning that primary and said, we're going to Ohio, we're yeah, going to Michigan yeah. and just got so excited and that sank his candidacy? Yeah, yeah. Like President Trump is on national television saying, bring me dirt foreign com- countries well, I think on it, my I, opponents and his supporters are like, mm, okay. I think that it goes back to the fact that when, when it comes to the Republican Party, they, they're much better at keeping the eye on the prize. You know, the, sure. I, remember, I remember, I've talked about this before on the podcast, like I remember after Trump won, I went to this Harvard event where they bring in all the, the managers and the, and the campaign managers and this, that, and the other for all the events, and I mean, for all the campaigns. And uh, what's his name who's in jail? I'm now blanking on his name, who ran the campaign for a while. For Trump. Manafort? Manafort, thank you. Manafort was there, and someone asked him, you know, how did you get the the evangelical base to come out for Trump? Like, he's like the least likely person that they would come out for. And he said, we sat down with them. We had a meeting with them, and we said, what is it that you want? And they said, look, he's rough around the edges. We totally get it. We don't like his language. We don't like some of the things he says. But if you can promise us that he's going to overturn Roe versus Wade, mm-hmm. we'll get to, we'll get everyone. Well, there to are for some you. other theories about the evangelical support, which of are Trump. Just Google Michael Cohen and Falwell. Do, 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 do. Oh, this is already out. This is okay, this has it. been broken. I think what that you're they, probably you right. Us? Oh, so this evangelical guy got had some sort of scandal with a pool oh. boy in Miami and it's unclear and Michael Cohen was potentially fixing that situation mm. for them. Wow. There were racy pictures with this guy's wife that he was handling that the pool boy somehow gotten a hold of and it's the question has been raised as to whether those photos going away and the pool boy staying quiet had anything to do with the evangelical endorsement of Donald Trump. Maybe it could be a little bit of both. Um, sure. But very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm now going to go Google this stuff. Yeah, it's good. Okay, so um, Warren, I think, do you think she can pull it off? She's ascendant. If you look at the polls in the last month, if you had told me a month ago that Elizabeth Warren was going to rise in the polls, I would have said you're Yes, insane. I think we actually said something like this Yeah, a while it's back. possible. Um, but she has had a couple of incredible events. And here's the thing about Elizabeth Warren. She is obviously on the left side of, of the spectrum of the candidates, right? She's not for everybody. She's definitely not a central centrist candidate. She's not someone who's going to win over both sides of the Democratic Party. But 
she is the the candidate with the most fleshed out policy agenda with the most uh, understandable positions and someone who actually has a belief system. And I think that that's very I attractive. I, th- I totally agree. I, I think my only concern with her is I think she has made a few um, decisions that I think she shouldn't have made. And for example, she should never have done that DNA test that was playing Ugh. right into the hands of Donald Trump. My God. And I worry that, okay, you did the DNA test and you played into his hands. Like how are you, you're going on stage with someone who is a brilliant fighter in in the streets, not in the ring. Like she's like, let's let's do it in the ring. Don't hit below the belt, yeah. like you know. And um, you like my boxing analogies there? Yeah, there's um, a boxing bag. There's a boxing in. bag in here. Um, it's not called a boxing bag. What's it that's called? That's okay. Uh, punching bag. I'm sorry. Whatever. <laughs> um, but, Forgive me. Um, but. Uh, and I worry that she's, you know, going to go into the ring with him. And, and and then the other thing, of course, was, you know, I think there was an interesting, that interesting dichotomy between she was asked to go on Fox News and said no because she doesn't believe in Fox News and what it stands for and so on. And Pete Buttigieg did and did an excellent job. Uh, and so I just worry. I think she is phenomenal. I think she, her ideas are so smart. I think she's a genuine human being. I think all of the above. I just worry that she can get into the ring and scrap with Yeah, well, Trump. I think that the there are obviously concerns about individual positions and um, past voting records and qualifications and all of that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, what I would be looking for as a voter would be, who do I want to see on a debate stage next to Donald Trump? Yes, and right? who? Who is it? Um, it's not well, Uncle we Joe. What? Maybe it is. No, it's not because uh, because he, he well it was what I think so fascinating when you look back at at Hillary versus Trump on stage, she would say I have been doing this for my whole life. I've done this. I've done that. And she, he'd be like, she's been doing this her whole life. She's done this and she's yeah. done that. Look where we are. And he would just say the same thing. He'd be like, it would it would he you get he uses your resume against you, which is which is why. Well, I by com- the way, he could he's going to be able to say that about anyone except. For Buttigieg, exactly. That's exactly where I was going. It, the Buttigieg, I think, would be. First of all, I think Buttigieg is way smarter than him. Uh, well, you don't think so? The bar is just so oh. low. <laughs> um, I think the two people I'd want to see him up against most. Yep. Just like my personal spectator enjoyment mm-hmm. would be. Buttigieg, because I just don't think he would take the bait, and that just may make the president very angry, and I think that would be great television. But I also think that Kamala Harris would be fantastic. I agree with you on Kamala. I just The problem with Kamala is that I think she has... She's, she needs to make some noise. She needs well, to like, we get our first primary debates next week. I'm very excited, even though there are 7 million people who are going to be on stage. So I actually think that there are 20 people. It's over the course of two nights, and... If you just do the math and you give each person an opening statement that it's two minutes, you're already at you're four, 40 minutes you're, just we, we in passed, opening statements. We have already passed the 2020 election. I'm like, <laughs> I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I haven't even watched it, but I'm very excited. Well, I, look, it's going to be, look, there were 17 people on stage with Donald Trump and he, and what, and what stood out, let's not forget, I remember writing about this. What stood out with Donald Trump was nothing he said, but his facial expressions mm-hmm. became animated gifts that were shared all over I the still internet. Use them. 
And yeah, there's still I still you type in Trump, and the first thing that comes up is is that little like facial expression. Totally. Where he, where Do you he think did... they're all doing like facial exercises today? They're probably like tr- practicing in the mirror when they get out of the shower every day. Like, stay yeah, calm, doing, don't move your face. Doing the I have to say, the, the time that I was uh, in the hearing room behind Cohen when he went to Capitol Hill in February, I had a seat in the front row. Yeah, I remember. And I was in abject terror the entire time <laughs> worried that I was going to make some sort of face and it was going to be on national television and someone I knew like an ex-boyfriend or someone who doesn't like me was going to catch me at that exact moment. And they were going to make you an, a gif on Giphy and I, like, then when you typed in. lived in fear of that for eight fearful, hours. Fearful weird face EJF would show up going. That's exactly the search term um, I was nervous about. Okay. Last question. Hit me. Um, do you think and I, we talk about this stuff all the time. Uh, do you think that um, that Trump will win, not just win in 2020, but do you think that there's a chance that he, like, if he loses, that he kind of does some really effed up stuff on the way out the door? No. I think that if he... You think he'll just be like, oh, peace, I'm out? Yeah. Really? I feel like... If there's a, I just have this like thing in my head that if there's a chance he's not going to win, he's not going to, like he he's just gonna bow out in some way, like he's gonna have what a heart are you attack. About? Look what happened. Oh well, that, you know that's a whole separate thing. But like, I just feel like he would never set himself up to lose in a way that wouldn't benefit him. Like running the the last election in 2016, he thought he was going to lose. He genuinely did. Yes. Um, though some people say he knew he, would, he was going to win. He all thought time. he was going to lose. Yeah. So. At that point, he was going to lose but end up a winner because there was going to be so much yes. attention on him and his brand. His brand is shit now, right? There's no resurrecting that brand. So there's no option of him losing and gaining something. So I just feel like if there's a if the polling is as bad internally as reports have suggested that it is, like I just don't see him going through with it. You think that he will but he but he was, you know, I mean today I mean you're talking about with on Stephanopoulos he's talking about how he is you know, constantly talking. I mean, he's talking about like if there's a, if someone gives me information on an, on an opponent, I'll take. He may it from cheat the rest- to win again. What's that? He may cheat. Well, that's to what win I again. think is going to happen. Honestly, is that he will. You know, if that if he finds hackers, out hackers, if you're listening, hackers, if you're listening to this four four hundred pound hackers in their parents' basement, in your parents' basement, and you're if dirty you're in underwear. Russia, in Russia, Julian Assange, wherever you are, if you're listening, <laughs> he's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> you might be do you have any last questions for me before we wrap up um will you show me some latte art uh it's a little late in the day for latte okay, art okay. but um uh, I'll show you some whiskey art alright you're gonna read this out loud cause I do it every week and it's your turn so well then I'm gonna have to shoot. thank myself yeah but I'll thank my lovely and talented host Nick Bilton if you enjoyed this conversation be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of Inside the Hive with Nick Bilton that's me you can find these on Apple Podcast Radio.com or anywhere you get your podcasts and don't forget to leave a review while you're there thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work and Nick we'll see you next week I will be blissfully watching the Democrat debate I know I can't wait. Thanks. EJF, thanks for joining. As always. Thanks for having me.